Well, congratulations, you made it to our Christmas Eve service, which means you're still not at Walmart buying gifts. I don't know about you, but I consider that a huge win. I'm guessing that there are a lot of you who are honestly catching your breath. You know, all of the kids' pageants, the Christmas parties at work with family and friends, you know, there's so much that we do. In my house, it's just like a nonstop bake factory. I don't know if it's like that in your home, but my girls are always trying something new, and I'm doing my best to not eat everything. I would say this too, you know, there, there's so many things uh, that cause us to run all over town to make sure we're building that epic moment, you know, where our kids can get the gifts, hopefully, that they desire. We can provide food for family and friends. You know, the truth is uh, Christmas is an awesome time, but it can be exhausting. Uh, I read a poll that half of all Americans say this, though. Christmas doesn't stress them out at all. I want you to know there's a name for these people. They're called husbands, you know? And some of your wives are like, that's right. I'm like one of those dads, too. I have to admit it that, uh, man, I get as excited on Christmas morning for my kids to open their gifts as they do often. Because I'm always like, what'd you get? You know, I mean, I have no idea. My wife is so good at taking care of us. But Christmas is uh, the best time. It's a fun time, but it's challenging because there's so many things. You know, it can make us tired, and truthfully, sometimes we just miss the point of it all. You know, it's true of the first Christmas as well. You know, there's this little sentence that's tucked away into the Christmas story that I want to read you. Here's what it says. She gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Now, you may remember that Joseph and Mary are in Bethlehem. They've had to go back to their hometown. And really why they've gone back is because the government declared that they wanted to take a census. And so everyone had to go back to their hometown. I guess the government has been uh, messing our lives up for a long time, making things complicated. But they're there in their hometown, and I'll tell you, it's, uh, it's busy. You know, it's like a trip that none of us would want to make. And Mary is very pregnant, and, you know, they knew that there would be a lot of people, that it would be packed out. And once again, let alone for most of us making the trip, it would be difficult. But for newlyweds, man... Bethlehem is busy. I mean, they, they get there and Mary goes into labor. I can't imagine Joseph just like, what do I do? He's looking for a place to stay. And everywhere he goes, he can't find a place for them. You know, it, it's got to be like one of these trips you want to forget. I had a, a crazy honeymoon story as well. It wasn't as bad as Mary and Joseph, but I also, with my wife Sarah was in Dallas looking for a room. You know, I was a young student pastor when we got married, and, you know, one of the things that we always had to do was to plan all the details of our student trips. I mean, right down to everything, to account for the kids, to make sure the lodging, transportation, you just had to think through it all. And and so I got to the point where I was like, you know what, let's just take a trip together 
where we don't have to plan. Let's be spontaneous. It'll be fun. Now, I figured we'd just figure it out along the way, you know? Sounds kind of romantic, right? Well, I remember getting there and spending some time with Sarah down in Dallas, eating a great meal, getting ready in the afternoon to go, well, we probably should find a place. And I had a few places in mind, and I began to call around, and what they began to tell me was that all of their rooms were full. I was like, well, what do you mean your rooms are full? And so I called like 20 different places. And every place I called, I got the same message. Man, I'm sorry. We'd love to help you. I mean, I was throwing out the newlywed card, the honeymoon, nothing. So finally I get to like, I don't know, my 20th, 25th call. And I go, can you tell me what's going on here in Dallas? And they go, oh, you don't know? It's the World Cardiologist Convention. Did you hear what I said? I didn't say the regional cardiologist convention or the national cardiologist convention. This is the world's cardiologist convention. And so I report this to my bride. She's not very happy with me. You know, I begin to uh, travel up and down the interstate, stopping at every hotel we think looks good on the outside. And I go and ask, same response, same response. Finally, we're about 45 minutes outside of Dallas at this dingy day's end. And that's where we got to celebrate. I want to tell you, it was a true test of our marriage for sure. You know, our nativities, uh, they do remind us that the innkeeper didn't have a place for Joseph and Mary. And Jesus seems to be born out in the middle of nowhere, kind of like a barn or a stable, and our nativities kind of show this. This is typically what we believe that happened, but it's not necessarily what happened. I mean, if we take a deeper dive into the Bible, we find this word in could also refer to a upper room or a finished room in a house. And if that's true, it's probable that Joseph actually knew the innkeeper that it might have been a relative or a close family friend. And so he reaches out to him as Mary now has had this firstborn. And, you know, as he does that, he finds out that the, the house is full. All the rooms that he would like to stay in have been occupied. And so the innkeeper or this relative or friend says, hey, I've got one spot It's actually in the lower part of the house. It's cold. It's where we keep the animals, but at least it's a place where there's something over your head. And Joseph decides, hey, you know what? It may not be ideal, but I'll take it. You know, I want to spend a little bit of time looking at this obscure innkeeper. As we look at this individual that isn't talked about often in the Christmas story, I think there's some things that we can learn from him. Like this, it's easy to miss Jesus. Consider it. I mean, the innkeeper has the Son of God coming to stay in his home. Can can you imagine if the innkeeper would have understood this, the arrangements that he probably would make? I'm thinking he's for sure kicking someone out of a room to have Jesus stay in his home. Can you imagine the marketing with this? And this would be awesome. You know, come sleep where the Son of God slept. That there could be all kinds of things that this innkeeper could have done if he would have known. 
if he wouldn't have missed that this was Jesus. But we do the same thing as the innkeeper. Truthfully, we make the same mistake. You know, Jesus right now, he's everywhere. I mean, this cute baby, the infant Jesus, we find him on cards that we send to one another during Christmas. He's on the wrapping paper of many of our presents. He's in the carols that we sing. I mean, our nativities in our home display him. But I want to ask you this question. Do you really understand who Jesus is? And do you understand what he did for you? You know, Matthew gives an account that's interesting. It's not necessarily something you'd post on a Christmas card. But it's his declaration of Jesus' birth. Here's what he says. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who lived in the land where death casts its shadow, a light has shined. Man, I don't know about you, but I want to ask, I guess. Have you ever felt like the darkness is closing in? Have you ever had a day like that? A season like that in life? Have you ever felt like you live in the land where death casts its shadow? Now, you may have felt or feel that kind of despair. I want you to know Jesus has something to say about this. In fact, we learn in John that this is what Jesus says about himself. He says, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Later in John, we find Jesus say it this way, I have come as a light to shine in the dark world so that all who put their trust in me will no longer remain in darkness. Do you need some light? Do you need some light in your life? Maybe light in your marriage, light in your finances, light in that craving to have another drink, you know, light in your loneliness. And if that's you and you resonate with that, I want you to know that there is good news. Jesus came so that you can experience the light that will free you from darkness. I mean, Jesus will provide clarity in the midst of your chaos. He'll provide comfort when you feel your heart or life is broken. I mean, Jesus will provide hope when you feel hopeless. There, there's so many things that Jesus wants to do for you and I. He, he wants to be that light that continues to illuminate, that gives us joy. You know, the innkeeper didn't make room for Jesus because he didn't want to be bothered to make that type of room in his life. I mean, it was fine to send him out to the stable, but it's a whole different thing to start rearranging. I want to ask, do you recognize that there is something special about Christmas? I mean, is it something that draws you to church every year? And do you think about who Jesus is? And when you read the Christmas story, do you start identifying and going, you know what? I believe that he is 
who he says he is. You know, if you have that moment, it can be scary. Because if you truly believe that Jesus is who he says he is, then you are going to have to do something about it. Jesus can't continue to be an afterthought in life. It's time for you to be willing to prioritize him. And I want you to know this too. Jesus hasn't come to wreck your life. Jesus has come so you can experience a life that you could never imagine. Jesus has come that we can experience joy and peace. You know, at that first Christmas, um, there literally, literally was no room for Jesus. But the problem for most of us today, it isn't that we don't have room for Jesus. It's that we don't make room for Jesus. And I want to ask you, have you made room for Jesus in your life? I mean, this Christmas, is it just about the tree, the decorations in your home, the awesome food, the presents, or is it about the light of the world, Jesus coming so we could be freed from the darkness and despair? You know, I want to encourage you, if you never have accepted Jesus' gift, if you've missed him, to not allow another Christmas to go by. Let this be your Christmas that you declare, I need the light in my life. I want to experience what it's like to have Jesus rescue me and to lead me and guide me, not only in this day, but in all the days, the months, and the years to come. Now, if you know you need to do that, I want to give you a chance in just a moment. But before we do that, I want to uh, tell you that in a moment, at the end of our service here, we're going to sing Silent Night together. And it's become a tradition at Pathway. In all of our Christmas Eve services, we sing Silent Night. At the very end, we light candles to represent that light. And there's this uh, little course in it. It says, Son of God loves pure I want you to know that God's love is pure and that his son, Jesus, he came into this world so that you and I could be saved, so that we could experience what it's like to be a part of his family. And, and saying yes to Jesus may mean that you have to say no to some things in life. But once again, he's trying to give you a life that is abundant, a life that has peace a life that has purpose. And maybe for you this year, as we get ready to enter into this new one, that you might go, I'm just going to be committed to opening up God's word and learning more about his truth. Or it may be that you come with someone tonight and you've got some questions about Jesus or you've got some questions about life and I just want to encourage you to ask those questions to your family or to your friend, so you can gain understanding. Man, I want you to, this Christmas to not miss Jesus. I want us together as a family, a community of believers, to allow Jesus' light to be the thing that radiates from our lives and our homes 
and in our neighborhoods. We're going to pray right now. And I want to ask everyone if you just bow your heads. And I do want to say once again, if you have not accepted Jesus as your Lord is the only one who can rescue you, if you need his light in your life, I want you to pray this prayer just in the stillness of your heart. Let me lead you. Jesus, I thank you that you came into this world to provide light and life. And Jesus, I ask that you would forgive me for trying to live my life on my own. I ask that you forgive me when I have allowed the darkness to close in or even when I've done things that I'm not proud of. Jesus, I need you this Christmas to meet me, to forgive me, and to give me a life of joy, a life of peace. You know, if you prayed that prayer for the very first time, as everyone's head is bowed still, I'd love for you right now to raise your hand just as a sign, a a declaration. You know, we, we think about driving a stake in the ground. I want this to be your Christmas where you remember it forever. And by you raising your hand, you're just acknowledging that you made that commitment, that you prayed that prayer. And so I want to pray for each of us, for these commitments and these decisions we'll make to allow Jesus' light to shine brighter. So Lord, I just come and I thank you so much for the privilege, the privilege of uh, celebrating the fact that you came in this world as a baby and you grew to be a man and you were willing to sacrifice your life on the cross that we could experience a life that none of us deserve. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. I pray this Christmas season and in this coming year, we will go out and we would look more and more like you. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.